Welcome to the program, The Spirituality of the Catholic Church, as Father Paul Keenan teaches on God and man in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And now, Father Paul Keenan. Hello, I'm Father Paul Keenan. I'm Assistant Director of the Office of Communications for the Archdiocese of New York. And it's a pleasure to be with you once again to talk about our faith and about the spirituality of the Catholic Church particularly as we find it in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And now we are looking at the last part of the Catechism, and really the very last part of it, which is a special part, because it summarizes everything else that has been said. And in fact, the um, Catechism itself says that this part summarizes the whole Gospel, So if you think about that for a minute, that's kind of daunting. If you think about uh, for a moment that the whole gospel of of Jesus is being summarized in in one part, that's that's kind of of daunting to think about, isn't it? Uh, But it is, because what we are going to be talking about now is the prayer of Jesus, the Our Father, and taking some time with that prayer and with the different parts of that prayer to really reflect on it, to pray on it, and indeed to truly, truly make it our own. This prayer, the Our Father, is uh, the prayer of Jesus. It's a prayer that uh, really, I think, summarizes everything we've talked about over these weeks. It's at the center of the Scriptures. Uh, even though the the Psalms are the principal food of Christian prayer, as the Catechism says, and uh, even though they are the prayers that we go back to every single day when we mark the, the liturgy of the hours, listen to what St. Augustine says as the Catechism quotes it. Run through all the words of the holy prayers in Scripture, and I do not think that you will find anything in them that is not contained and included in the Lord's Prayer. Isn't that remarkable? That one little prayer that he's given us is something that is uh, that contains everything else. Absolutely contains everything else. The words of Tertullian, I think, are um, are important here, or rather, of Saint Thomas Aquinas, is, is also quoted in the um, in the Catechism. The Lord's Prayer, Thomas Aquinas says, is the most perfect of prayers. In it, we ask not only for all the things we can rightly desire. But for all, but also in the sequence that they should be desired. So not only are we asking for everything that we should be desiring, uh, but we're asking for it in the right order. Sometimes when someone says to us, ask me anything, we, uh, we say, I don't know what to ask. And I'm sure that's how we'd feel if God asked us. But as a matter of fact, uh, God tells us not only what to ask, but he also gives us the right order for asking. So the interesting thing here is that God does not make us or force us to read his mind or to to guess his mind. He tells us right flat out exactly uh, what we should do and how we should do it. And there there are no guessing games here. There's nothing here that we need to to guess about. It's a simple matter that uh, God tells us tells us exactly what's on his mind and what we should be asking for. 
So, we have here the Our Father. It's a summary of the whole gospel. It's the uh, the very, very thing that we should be asking for. It's the Lord's Prayer. The Oratio Dominica. The Lord's Prayer. The Prayer of the Lord. It's taught to us in the Lord. It's also the the prayer of the church. Not only did the Lord himself teach us that prayer, but it's the prayer of the church. In baptism and confirmation, the Lord's Prayer signifies the new birth into divine life. The handing on of this prayer is uh, is used. We use this prayer. People say this prayer together uh, in those uh, two sacraments. In the Eucharistic liturgy, the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that helps us get ready for Holy Communion. And reveals to us the eschatological or end time character of its uh, petitions. So it's all part of our sacramental life. It's all part of the life that we celebrate, the life that we believe. Brings us together for everything. And, and it's all part of that third part of the catechism, too, because it gives us definite instructions and directions about what we should do. And, uh, well, we'll, we'll be seeing that as we go through this prayer, uh, very, very much. So let's begin. First part of that prayer is, Our Father, who art in heaven. And uh, prefatory to that, the catechism goes back to um, what we say at Mass before we say the Our Father. Preceptus salutaribus moniti et divina institutione formati audemus dicere. We dare to say our Father. Dare to say it. Uh, we don't just say this prayer casually. We don't just say it uh, as something that rolls off our lips without thinking about what we're doing. We dare to say it. It's a bold prayer for us to be saying because we are basically uh, very, very far underneath the Father. I mean, this is the same father that told Moses in the burning bush, Do not come near. Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. We are daring to approach that God and, and to call him Father. And uh, the Catechism quotes something here from uh, St. Peter Chrysologus. Our awareness of our status as slaves would make us sink into the ground, and our earthly condition would dissolve into dust if the authority of our Father himself and the Spirit of his Son had not impelled us to this cry, Abba, Father. When would a mortal dare call God Father if man's innermost being were not animated by a power from on high? So we do not say this prayer lightly, our Father. We say it only because God has invited us to do it. We should never forget. Who it is that we are addressing here, never forget that this is God himself. And so the first word we say, Catechism has us reflect, is the word Father. And uh, it's a very, very important word. Um, Jesus said, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And Anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, and he thanks the Father, uh, Jesus does, that he has uh, not revealed this to the worldly wise, but revealed it to mere children, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And what is implied here when we say this word Father is the purification of our own hearts, 
that uh, we uh, think about how high above us and how far above us this God is. Uh, I mean, even when, when Moses asked God whom he was, God said, um, I am who am. And uh, there was a certain mystery given to that name. And uh, we we are, are privileged to call him Father. We can call him Father because he lets us do that. He has revealed himself to us through Jesus, who became man, and through the Spirit, who has made him known to us. So now we have a personal relationship uh, to him as his sons, as his daughters. And uh, we really can't even conceive of what that means or understand what that means. Uh, it's just remarkable what he has given us in allowing us to call him our father. Because it means fundamentally that uh, we are in communion with him and with his son, Jesus Christ. He uh, He calls us into communion with him. He invites us not only into his home, but he invites us into his heart and into his life and into the very being of himself. Uh, he wants to reveal his whole plan to us, and more than that, he wants to reveal all of himself. So, being allowed to call him our Father is something very privileged and, and very special. We can only know about him because he has revealed himself to us first. And so, we should have within our hearts a sense of wonder, a sense of profound wonder that we should indeed be invited to this new life, this uh, new life to which he calls us, this life that is his, and that has been his since way even before the, the dawn of creation. We are called to that. We're called to be in union with it. And we can say our Father because he has revealed it to us and called us to it. But the other thing about our Father, the other thing about being able to call him our Father, is not only does he reveal himself to us, but he also calls us to be ourselves, and he reveals to us who we are ourselves. We are we are meant to be sons of God, but we are people with a destiny. If you recall, I have been saying from the very beginning of this series that there are two things, two themes that go throughout this whole thing. One is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. It is of our human nature as man to be made in the image and likeness of God. And secondly, that this God in whose image and likeness we are made is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sharing a life, sharing a love, sharing a particular kind of life, the life that we call supernatural, the life that we call divine. And God gives us the opportunity to know that we are called to share this life as well. Again, we have been saying this over and over and over again in our studies these past several weeks. He is calling us to share in this life of his. And when we get to call him father, when we are privileged to call him father, we are privileged to uh, to say that we are being called to be one with him. It's our destiny. It's our goal. It's our mission. It's our purpose on earth, our communion with him. So, at one and the same time as he is telling us about himself, the Father tells us about ourselves, about who we are, about whom we are meant to be. And um, it means that we are adopted by him, that he chooses us, 
that he freely, freely chooses us to be his sons. It's a lovely um, little quote from uh, St. Ambrose in the Catechism at this point, who says, O man, you did not dare to raise your face to heaven. You lowered your eyes to the earth, and suddenly you have received the grace of Christ. All your sins have been forgiven. From being a wicked servant, you have become a good son. Then raise your eyes to the Father who has begotten you through baptism, to the Father who has redeemed you through his Son, and says, Our Father. But do not claim any privilege. He is the Father in a special way only of Christ, but he is the common Father of us all, because while he has begotten only Christ, he has created us. Then also say, by his grace, Our Father, so that you may merit being his Son. It's a real privilege to be able to be called his Father, we who because of sin, we're so much lower than anything we could imagine. And then he brings us up, brings us back, and not only only restores us, but gives us the grace to say this prayer, the grace to be his sons, the grace to be reborn and restored to our God so that we can call him Father. It's very humbling, very humbling indeed. And God, having adopted us, brings us to new life. He asks us to convert. I mean, there is, in a way, a kind of um, um, responsibility here. Remember, when we were talking about the moral life, we said that we could be free only insofar as we are responsible. And we are indeed responsible, have a responsibility here. We have the freedom of the sons of God, but that freedom implies a responsibility for us. That responsibility is that we turn to God, that we undergo this conversion that he asks us to undergo, and that we allow this new life of his to be born in us. And uh, in order to do that, we need two dispositions, but the Our Father takes care of these dispositions. It, as we pray this prayer, we receive these dispositions of heart and soul, which enable us to accept this conversion. The first of these dispositions is the desire to become like him. We're created in his image, and yet we need to be restored to his likeness and his grace. And so we must want to become like him. Uh, we can't just uh, put it on automatic pilot here and, and sail into heaven. We must want to become like him. It's important. We must want to and need to become like God. So we must have that disposition, the desire to become like him. But secondly, we must trust him. We must have a humble and trusting heart that enables us to become like little children. Because it, as Jesus said, only little children is that um, heavenly father of ours revealed. St. John Chrysostom um, in um this, uh, in the Catechism here, is, um, or rather St. John Cassian in the Catechism, is quoted by saying that the prayer is accomplished by the contemplation of God alone and by the warmth of love, through which the soul, molded and directed to love him, speaks very familiarly to God as to its very own Father with special devotion. We're being given a wonderful gift here. 
and uh, the very things that we need in order to receive and accept this gift, namely the desire to be like God, to become like Him, and the humble and trusting heart that enables us to trust Him, these things we are given right in saying the prayer. And so it's really something to be able to use this word Father when we talk about Him, when we talk to Him. It's not just a word. It's not just a name like any other name. It is indeed a, a very special name and a real privilege for us to be able to say it. And the next thing the Catechism has us reflect on is not only do we call God Father, we call Him Our Father. The Catechism reminds us that it doesn't mean that we own or possess God, but rather we are given an entirely new relationship with Him. When we say Our Father, it means that We've been talking about all the promises of God's love that he has given us, that all these promises are fulfilled in the new and eternal covenant in Christ. We're his people. He's our God. This is a free gift, free gift of belonging to each other. We're not alone. It's not just my Father. It's not just my God. It is indeed, but it's our God, our Father. So it's something that affects everyone. We are bonded to each other in this common Father. And being able to say our expresses our hope in the victory of God's ultimate promise. I will be his God and he shall be my son that he said about the new Jerusalem that God will indeed in the final days bring us all together, and that his promise will be realized, and that there will be a real victory there. So, this is not something just for me, it's something for us, and it's something for the whole world. It's part of the promise of the whole world, for the whole world, for the end of time. Now, when I say, Our Father... I am personally addressing the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we say it together as the church, we are addressing him. Now, that doesn't mean that we divide the Godhead. It doesn't mean we destroy the Trinity or deny the Trinity. It doesn't mean we confuse the persons, because uh, the Holy Trinity is indivisible. When we pray to the Father, we're praying through the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So they're all three involved in this prayer. It's uh, also a, a an image of the church and a prayer of the church, because the church is really the communion of God and men. It's what the church is meant to be, this community that is able to gather together under him, through him, with him, and say, Our we are his, and we are each other's. So what we have here is a, a powerful prayer to God in the Trinity, but uh, it's a powerful prayer of the church. It reminds us of who we are as church, that we are all together bonded to him. Our 
origin is from him, our life is from him, but at the same time we are bonded to each other. We care about each other. The concerns that will be expressed as petitions when we get to the petition part of the Our Father are everyone's concerns. I don't just pray about my own concerns, but I pray about everybody's concerns. And that's it's a very important thing for us to think about and to remember. Especially since we know that, sadly, there are divisions within Christianity. And so when we say, Our Father, we are praying that those sad divisions will be healed, that we'll find our way past them and and we have to want that, too. We're pledging to want that, too, to want unity in our Christianity, to be rid of the divisions that haunt and plague us, and that we can experience a communion in faith. And the Catechism says something, too, that really speaks to this age of individuals, says that we pray the Our Father sincerely, we leave individualism behind. It's no longer a part of our prayer. This is not me, me, me. It's not what's in it for me. What can I get? Because we're concerned about each other, and we pray for each other. And we become those people that we talked about that that find our fulfillment in love, that are anointed in love, that our concerns are brought out to be the concerns of each other, that we care about each other, that we don't simply allow ourselves to um, to get absorbed in our own problems and in our own needs. But our prayer is for each other, even in the midst of our own need, just as Jesus looked down from the cross and didn't just think of himself, but saw his mother and the beloved disciple there and spoke to them and said, Son, behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. We, in the midst of our personal problems, we, in the midst of carrying our cross, need to be concerned about other people. The Our Father reminds us that we are not for ourselves alone, that we are a community of faith, and that uh, we can exclude no one from our prayers. So it's a prayer for unity, a prayer for unity um, among those who are separated from us in faith. It's a prayer for those who walk the face of the earth with us, even if we don't like them, even if they've done something to us. We pray for them. They're all part of our Father as well. So we get opened up here to the dimensions of the Father's love. Our love can be sometimes petty and we can get closed in sometimes. But the Our Father, praying it sincerely, opens us up to be as big as God is and to be as big in our love as God is in His love. Just as God's um, sunshine extends upon the good and the bad alike, His love extends to the good and the bad alike. He continues to offer it. So must we. And the Our Father reminds us of that. Our Father... Our Father, who art in heaven. (laughs) Interestingly, the Catechism says that when we talk about heaven and we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, we are not talking about a place or a space, but we are talking about a way of being, 
Our Father who art in heaven. Heaven is a way of being. And there again, we have to think back to what we have said all along about the Trinity. We have to think back to what we have said all along about God being three divine persons in one divine nature. We have to think back to what is our nature, which is to be made in the image and likeness of God. So when we're talking about heaven, we're not, the Catechism says, talking primarily about a place. We're talking about a way of being in which God is with us and we are with God. And uh, St. Augustine in the Catechism says, Our Father who art in heaven is rightly understood to mean that God is in the hearts of the just as in his holy temple. And at the same time, it means that those who pray should desire the one they invoke to dwell in them. And St. Cyril of Jerusalem says heaven could also be those who bear the image of the heavenly world and in whom God dwells and tarries. That word tarries is a wonderful word. God tarries in us. He doesn't just come and say, whoop, got to run now. He dwells in us and wants to stay. He doesn't want to get run off. He doesn't want to leave quickly. He wants to delay with us, to be with us forever. He longs to do that. So when we're talking about heaven, that's what we're talking about. The Our Father, the Catechism says, is not elsewhere, and neither is God our Father elsewhere. He transcends everything we can conceive of by his holiness. But as he is transcended, he is also imminent in us. Just as he is in heaven, so he is in us. And so when we pray this prayer, Our Father, it's a daunting prayer, really. It tells us who God is. It tells us who we are meant to be. And it gives us the hope that by his love and by his grace, we shall get there. Thank you for joining us today for the Spirituality of the Catholic Church with Father Paul Keenan. You may write to Father Keenan in care of the Office of Communications, Diocese of New York, 1011 First Avenue, New York, New York, 10022. Thank you.